We're uh, going to turn to Philippians 4. We're um, jumping into the series Joy and Phroneo. Uh, Phroneo is a Greek word that Paul uses in the book of Philippians a number of times. Sometimes it's translated think, sometimes it's translated feel, sometimes it's translated mindset. Uh, it's a holistic way of being. It's not just thinking, it's not just the head, it's not just feeling, it's not just the heart. It's not just doing. It's a holistic way of being in the world. It's a way of thinking, feeling, and acting in the way of Jesus. So we, uh, we journeyed through Philippians 1 through 3, and then we took a break from Philippians for Lent. And uh, now we are jumping back in to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start with uh, verse 4 this morning. I invited you all last week to uh, take time once, twice, maybe three times a day to read just three verses, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, uh, but, but I, I hope you were able to do that uh, this week, to reflect and focus on these verses. So he, here's the challenge for the next week, okay? We're going to stick with those three verses. I want you to read those three verses again every day several times a day if it, if it works for you. Maybe it works for you to just plug it into your calendar. So you'll get an alert on your phone and you just take a couple of minutes and read those three verses plus the next two, okay? So Philippians 4 verses 4 through 9. I know, I know, I'm asking a lot. But something happens in the formational process when we take this ancient sacred text and we reflect on it and we meditate on it and we sit with it and, and allow it to absorb into our being. It, it changes us. And so I want to invite you just those five verses for the next week to take time each day and sit with them. Reflect on them. Maybe turn them into a prayer for you and for others. Uh, what would it look like to pray this text on behalf of others, on behalf of yourself, on behalf of your spouse <clears throat> or your children or your parents or, or those you're in community with uh, or those maybe you don't like very much? Uh, what, what would it look like to pray this text on their behalf? Uh, so... We're going to spend the next several minutes just looking at these three verses. Uh, sorry, four verses. Verses four through seven. Uh, and then uh, we're going to celebrate Eucharist, this good gift, uh, communion, the Lord's table, uh, where we take this bread and dip it in the cup and we remember uh, what Jesus did for us. So Paul says in verse four, rejoice in the Lord how often? Always. Always. Oof. And in case you didn't catch it, again I say rejoice. Uh, so where is Paul when he's writing this? He's in prison. Isn't that interesting? Paul is in a Roman prison in the first century He's writing to this small group of Jesus followers in a Roman colony in Philippi. Philippi was a place where a number of Roman soldiers would go to retire. And so it's, it's full 
of the empire. And uh, this small group of Christians who are worshiping a god other than the, the Greek gods, other than Caesar who proclaims himself as Lord, they're, they're worshiping uh, this guy Jesus who came and proclaimed himself as the world's true Lord. Uh, the, and Paul is writing this letter and reminding this small group of Jesus followers, Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. And in the midst of the empire, I want to ask you to do something. Rejoice. I'm in prison. You're facing possible persecution. And I simply want to say, whatever your circumstances, rejoice in the Lord. It's rooted in something, their joy. It's not some... Uh, arbitrary feeling. It's not something that, that comes and goes. It's not a giddiness. It's not a happy-go-lucky feeling. It's, a, it's deeply rooted in this way of thinking, feeling, and acting in the way of Jesus. Uh, it's joy in the Lord. Despite your circumstances, despite your hardships, despite your suffering, there is a joy that Paul claims is possible Always. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, this joy and, and the climactic text in Philippians uh, comes in chapter 2. In chapter 2, which we looked at several months ago, uh, Paul says in verse 2, make my joy complete. He, he wants to tell them, this is how you can make my own joy complete. It's this, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others better than yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul says, this, this is where my joy will come from. When I see you thinking, feeling, and acting in such a way that resembles the risen Christ. Verse 5, and your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There's the word, phroneo. Have the same mindset. Be like Jesus in the way you think, in the way you feel, and in the way you act. And what is that? He was in very nature God, but did not consider quality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, the most powerful being in the universe, chose not to use his power to his own advantage, not the way Caesar was using his power, but the world's true Lord came and became one of us and used his power for those on the underside of power. He used his power to bring hope and freedom and life to those who thought there was no hope, who were in bondage and thought there was no abundant life available. Jesus came and brought this way of thinking, feeling, and acting available to all of us.
So Paul says, that's how you make my joy complete. By living this way. So joy is not a feeling that comes and goes. It's something that's deeply rooted within us in the way of Jesus. That somehow, by God's grace, we can rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, uh, Paul uses this word gentleness elsewhere. It's usually in contrast to quarrelsomeness. And so, so Paul is saying, in the face of others who may want to quarrel, in the face of Rome, which will use force to bring you in line, in the face of opposition, in the face of reactive behavior against you, let your gentleness be evident to who? All. To all. Not just those you're closest with, maybe those, especially those you're closest with. Uh, not just to people you know, uh, but to the person who cuts you off in traffic. Uh, to, to the person who uh, jumped in the line at Costco that you had your eye on. <laughs> Let your gentleness be evident to all. In the face of uh, someone's comment or, or someone's action against you, Paul says, let your gentleness be evident. What does that look like for you? For your gentleness to be evident in the face of someone who says something or does something that angers you. Uh, this kind of gentleness that Paul is talking about, it, it is a way of being that when that comment comes, you're able to step back and take a deep breath and rather than say something back that you know you will regret later, you're able to step back, take a deep breath, and respond with grace and love and kindness and gentleness, with self-control. Uh, that, that person's comment that hurt you, it says something more about them than it does about you. Do you understand that? Their comment, their brokenness that came out against you, it says something far more about them than it does about you. You don't own it. It's not yours to own. They have to own it. They have to deal with it. They have to wrestle with their own brokenness. You don't have to own their brokenness. You have to own your own brokenness. And so if you say a comment or do something that is hurtful to another, you need to own that, but you don't need to own theirs.
You are responsible for you and your heart and what God is saying to you and what God is shaping and forming in your own being. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Are we aware of how near God is? God's very spirit abides in us and in the community of faith. God's presence is right here, right now, inviting us to wake up and be aware of what God is doing in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, in our community. The Lord is near. Paul uses the term Lord. And he's not saying Caesar is near. He's saying Jesus is with you. That's how your gentleness can be evident to all, because Jesus is actually with you by his spirit right now. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Oh, come on, Paul. Isn't it enough that you just said rejoice always? Now you're telling me don't be anxious about anything? That's just simply asking too much, don't you think? We worry about everything, don't we? It's interesting to me to think about these folks in the first century, most of them living in probably fairly extreme poverty. And Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. And we look at our lives here in Marin County, where comparatively we are wealthy. Uh, you, you may feel like you're just scraping by, but you are wealthy. You live in the wealthiest country in the world and one of the wealthiest counties in the world. Uh, and we're anxious. We worry all the time about our families, about our jobs, about our stuff. Uh, Paul simply says, don't, don't be anxious about anything. I wonder what that looks like for you. I wonder what it looks like for me to release anxiety. Uh, rejoice always. Don't be anxious about anything. They're not separate commands. They're connected. They're connected. Our capacity for joy is linked to our ability to release anxiety. It's not by mistake that Paul puts these things together. Our, our capacity for joy is linked to our awareness of God's nearness in our lives, that God is for us, not against us. We, we can live this way of being that Paul invites us into by releasing anxiety. How do we release anxiety? Well, Paul's gonna tell us. Don't be anxious about anything, but instead, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, 
present your requests to God. Here's what Paul says. I know you're going to get anxious. It happens. You're human. I know it's going to happen. So here's what I'm recommending you do. Turn your anxiety into prayer. Don't pray with anxiety, but turn that anxiety into prayer. So when you feel anxious, and you need to be aware of this, right? We need greater self-awareness because we, li we often live with so much anxiety, we forget, I'm anxious right now. And so Paul's just simply inviting us to step back again, take a deep breath, become aware of what you're anxious about, and turn it into prayer. God, I need help. I need help with this situation. I feel anxious about this. Oh, and that, and that, and that. Uh, turn it into prayer. In every situation, Paul doesn't seem to think there are any situations that are too small to not turn into prayer. So in every situation, take it to God in prayer. And he mentions two ways of doing this. One is petition. So it's this deep uh, felt need going on inside that may be causing anxiety. And, and you petition God. You ask God, God, please help me with this. But, but Paul doesn't stop there. He says, with thanksgiving. Oh, Paul invites us to find something in the situation that we're actually thankful about. What might that be? Um, when we allow gratitude to become a part of our DNA, it will change us. When, when we say thank you to God. It, it will change us. Uh, I'm skipping a slide here, Kate, but Meister Eckhart once said, if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it'll be enough. I wonder what the, even those little moments in your day are where you might just whisper, thank, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for that breath. Thank you for that friend. Thank you for that text. Thank you for that email. Thank you, God, for a place to lay my head at night. Thank you for providing for me yet again today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what, are, what are you grateful for? Even in the hard stuff, what are you grateful for in the hard stuff? What is God doing? How is God shaping your soul in the midst of hardship? Thank you, God. Thank you. Yeah. In every situation, thank you. Present your requests to God. And then Paul says... If you begin to live in this way, 
where you allow joy to become a part of who you are, where you say no to anxiety, where you release anxiety, where you allow prayer to become a part of your being all the time, when you allow this way of being, this gratitude and praying with requests to God, when that just becomes a part of your DNA, Paul says, I promise you something. It's called peace. I promise you, you will begin to feel this peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. But Paul says, you won't even believe it. Uh, peace is not the absence of conflict. Paul is not promising that there won't be conflict. Peace here is not the absence of hardship in your life. Paul's not promising that. What he is promising is if you live in such a way where you wake up to the reality of God's presence in your life, where you go to God with your anxiety, when you pray to God, when you live a life of gratitude, something will happen inside of you that you won't even understand. Peace, God's shalom, God's universal harmony and overflowing serenity and abundance within your being, the very shalom of God which holds all things together. Anxiety, anxiety splits apart. When we live in anxiety, we're, we're split people. We're scattered and we worry, but shalom, peace, it, it brings it back together. And it's something God does in our inner being. Notice, notice what Paul says. This peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is reminding us once again, you can't separate it. Can't separate head and heart can't dichotomize head and heart. You can't live split, separate lives. Head and heart connected. This peace, it will guard your mind and your heart in Christ. It's rooted and grounded in a source, and that source is Christ. That's where the peace comes from. It's not the peace that Rome promised, which came through force. It's a whole different kind of peace that only comes from God in Christ by His Spirit working and moving in you. As we come to this table this morning, I want to invite you to close your eyes and I just want you to pick one, one area in your life that you're anxious about. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something at work, something at home, something at school. What, what are you anxious about? Just pick one. 
and then pray. I invite you to pray about it. Turn that anxiety over to God in prayer. And then I want to invite you to pick something you're thankful about. Maybe in that thing that you're anxious about, there's something you're thankful about. Maybe it's something totally different. Just simply say thank you to God. And I want to invite all of us to make this a pattern in our lives. What would it look like for us each day to turn that anxiety into prayer and to say thank you? And then I want to invite you to ask God to begin allowing you to experience more and more that peace, that shalom that only comes from God. And that it might begin to permeate your life. That you could live in that peace and enjoy. God, as we come this morning and remember that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and broke it. You said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And as you took the cup of the new covenant in your blood and said, drink it in remembrance of me. God, shape and form our imaginations, our memories in such a way that we're just doused in you, in your peace, in your love. God, help us to be a people who are gentle, who in the face of anger, in the face of what we may feel others think about us, that we would respond with grace and love and humility. God, as we take this bread and dip it in this cup, may we know that by your death on the cross and the power of your resurrection, you came to bring a whole new creation right in the midst of this one. Empower us by your spirit to partner with you in bringing that new creation right here and right now. And grant us your peace and abundance. In the name of Jesus, amen.